When I married Emily, Maurice, excuse me, when I married Emily, Maurice and Scouts came along with the commitment. Scout was Emily's Russian blue cat, a stray that she'd found in Perry County. Maurice was a big, shaggy dog who would go limp with love in Emily's arms. He was, in fact, the most relaxed dog I have ever seen, except for when he was in the presence of one thing, food. <laughs> During the first times that I had dinner with Emily in her home, Maurice would always be there hovering by the table, his wet nose sniffing actively what was served. And if the table was left unattended for a moment, Maurice would often grab a burger or a piece of chicken or just about any human food short of carrots. <laughs> when he was scolded, he would look very ashamed and sorry, only to again commit the same offense next chance he got. When Lily and Lucia came along, Maurice's love of food found a happy purpose. Children drop a lot of food. From Cheerios to pizza crust, applesauce to crackers, Maurice was always by their side, ready to catch whatever fell from the table. Saved us countless paper towels, and we didn't even need to own a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Maurice was a happy and well-fed dog until his death at a good old age. I thought of Maurice and his place in our family as are reflected on our gospel reading this Sunday. It is, after all, a passage about children and dogs and who gets fed. It's also a passage that, whatever we, way we might read it, is troubling for our understanding of Jesus. Maybe we need a big, shaggy dog to help us see the good news in this story. We rightly think of Jesus as the embodiment of love and compassion an incarnate expression of God's mercy. What then are we to make of Jesus calling a needy woman a dog, much less his seeming willingness to deny healing to a poor girl beset by demons? That's the trouble at the center of this text. And to understand it, we have to first understand who the children are. The children are Israel. It was this people through whom God's mission of rescue for the whole world was meant to play out. And God made a promise, one stretching all the way back to Abraham, that whatever happened, God would re remain faithful to his people, this people with whom God claimed a kinship. They were part of his family. 
When Jesus comes along as an expression of God's steadfast, faithful love, it is to Israel that Jesus is sent. Only when the children are cared for and fed can there be more for others. But as Jesus has already demonstrated throughout Matthew's Gospel, Israel's status as God's chosen ones is not meant for their own self-satisfaction. The purpose of Israel in God's plan is to be an agent of God's blessing to all people, Jew and Gentile alike. And in order to live as that blessing, they are called to transform their lives, not in conformity to some external set of rules, as the Pharisees were advocating, but instead to live with love, mercy, and faithfulness that poured from the very depths of their hearts. When the Canaanite woman comes to Jesus, he wants to state clearly at the outset the place at the center of his mission. He wants to emphasize that God has not abandoned Israel, and that the coming of the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, is in confirmation of this fact. But in his response, he also plays with the bigoted expectations of his audience, in that he is creating a kind of setup to trouble those prejudices and show the true purpose of Israel's calling. Jesus has come to bless Israel as a witness of God's faithful love, and Israel exists to bless the world. Jesus, empowering the Canaanite woman to be the one to speak this truth, gives her space to offer a clever turning of the tables. And at that table, it all comes back to dogs. How many of you have heard someone say, or perhaps said yourselves, in regards to your dog, that this dog is like a member of our own family? For all their difference in who the kind of creature that they are, human beings have been welcoming dogs into the circle of family love for over 10,000 years. And though it hasn't always been perfect, there is something true in the way that with these other creatures, we find a new kind of kinship. The philosopher Donna Haraway says that what we experience with dogs needs to become a reality in our relationship with all creatures. We need, she says, to make strange kin, a new kind of family linked in new modes of belonging that go beyond the borders of our old divisions. And there is something of that same kind of border breaking, that same new kinship happening in our gospel. The Canaanite woman to a Jewish understanding, was as outside of their boundaries of belonging as a dog. But it's her that shows that God is in the business of making strange kin through the work of grace.
And though Jesus begins with Israel, the people called to be agents of this grace, he spreads a table that is so lavish that it overflows with plenty for everyone. It's telling, in fact, that Matthew places another story of a feeding of thousands just after the episode that we heard today. And after those thousands had eaten, there were seven basketfuls of leftovers that were collected. That's how it is at God's table. Outsider or insider, child or dog, there's enough for everyone. Even the crumbs that fall from the table are enough to fill and feed the hungry. And eventually, the boundaries of the table itself are erased, and everyone's invited to sit down for a picnic where all can share in the feast of God's goodness. Most of us here today are like the Canaanite woman. We're not linked by any bloodlines to Abraham's children. We must admit that God's faithfulness remains with those who first received the covenant. We are more dogs than children here. But we know that God's mercy is so great that the difference doesn't really matter. God is making a new kinship, born of love and grace. As our hearts feed on that abundance of grace, they are changed, and our lives move into the family resemblance that marks God's end. Maurice will always remain in the memory of our family as one of our beloveds, a creature who shared our life for over 17 years. He never got a chair at the table, but I don't think he would have wanted one anyway. He had plenty to eat, overflowing from the abundance of our mills and the gifts of small hands. Different as he was from the rest of us, he was very much a part of the family, included in the circle of our love. And so are we, adopted Ken joined in a new family seated together for a feast where there will be leftovers enough for all, no matter who we are. Amen.